And welcome to the Future Faces podcast, hosted by Future Faces Chamber of Commerce, the network helping young professionals across the West Midlands to network and develop. I'm your host, Sophie Podavar-Morel, the manager of Future Faces. We're now into February and most of our members will be aware that our hot topic for this month is lifelong learning. So who better to discuss the topic with none other than the region's top training provider, Digital Innovators. I am delighted to be joined for this episode by Harry Page, Centre Manager for Digital Innovators. Harry, welcome to the podcast. You okay? Yeah, all grand. Thank you for having me this morning. Brilliant. Um, Would you like to start by telling us um, a bit about Digital Innovators? Yeah, for sure. Um, So Digital Innovators were an award-winning training provider from the West Midlands, founded about five years ago in Solihull. So essentially our role and what we see ourselves being is the bridge between employers, education and young people. Um, What we tend to see is a constant conversation, what seems about millennia, about employers not having the correct skills, students not having the correct skills and in somewhere in between the conversation not happening. Um, And that's what we're there to do. That's what we're there to enable is the um, link between the employers and the education system as a whole uh, and allowing those skills to develop in a um, out of the classroom manner. We like to say that we are the escape from the classroom, but still with um, developing those skills that young people really are um, missing from what employers say. So that's everything from the confidence to the communication skills to the um, ability to critically think, which I'm sure everyone can agree is massively missing yeah. in 2023 when you look at the world around us and read the news, yeah. etc. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so in terms of your role as centre manager, what does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah, so um, our centre currently... Uh, we are over at Innovation Birmingham currently, and we run um, several programmes with which give or take, taking around 450 students through the academic year. Um, and my role as centre manager is essentially overseeing that, so allowing this, uh, bringing the students in, um, engaging employers, and then additionally on top of that is enabling that the actual learning is taking place and students are getting what they need out of it and employers are also getting what they need out of it. So whether that be skills, um, innovation, or um, digital transformation. Brilliant. So um, what type of learning opportunities do digital innovators offer? I know you said we were sort of escaping the classroom. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we have two stages to our programme, our main programme, in essence, the DI skills programme. The first stage is in-house, so it's at the colleges and educational institutions themselves, but also in community centres, which we've also started to work with. So our partners such as Solihull College, um, South and City, and community centres like Free at Last in Neitchels. Um, these allow us access to the more uh, disadvantaged communities and also young people that haven't been given a chance um, because they're the real people that can develop businesses in a real, really fruitful way. Um, so the students, they undergo a five-week programme with ourselves where they literally 
um, learn how to communicate effectively. They learn design thinking, which is such an important process that businesses don't even do, but young people, they have a different insight into. Um, collaboration and what we kind of call the four C's. So that's critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creativity. The four C's, which are the cornerstone to, to how to be a successful individual. Um, and so we talk about lifelong learning, about how we can actually engage with that correctly. Now, the students undergo five weeks with ourselves. We then select a certain amount of students from the, 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 the wider net that we talk about, and they are then invited with ourselves over um, 13 weeks to develop a project and develop a solution for our partners. Um, so, for example, um, HS2 is a partner of ours and um, the West Midlands Academic Health Science Network. So, um, like with any business, they want the insight of young people. They want them to be able to come into their business and give them the, um, the insight and solutions that they might be missing. So, that could be anything from innovation to uh, business development or digital transformation and over the course of 13 weeks alongside digital innovators and our mentor program etc which I'm sure we'll talk about later on yeah. um, is that the students develop a solution um, and the, the project that they develop is a vehicle for their learning because what is what we <laughs> we say within digital innovators and what I'm sure a lot of listeners and general public will agree with is the education system in its current state is very limiting and it always um, and always has done um, been for a select few kind of learners. So yeah. that could be, um, so we, we, we can kind of identify three kinds of learners. So that's auditory, kinesthetic, so doing and visual and the vast majority of people learn by doing but the education system doesn't allow for that. Now, our program, it turns it on its head and it says, okay, well, develop something, do something and use that as a project for your learning instead. So what we are able to do then is instead of a classroom-led uh, discussion, it is a workplace-led discussion. So coming out of it, the student gets the confidence, they get the engagement with an employer which they can put onto their CV that they can use. And they also develop more of hard skills, so technical skills, um, and then for the employer, the really important part about this is that this isn't just a, um, a case where they can put it out for their CSR or looking like it's uh, a positive influence within the community. What they really get out of it is this innovation that they can take in-house because some of the projects that are developed by students are real projects that we've seen are being developed and, and used currently. Um, but additionally, there is that talent pool there then. They have... Well, like I said, we work with 450 16 to 19 year olds every year. So that pool of talent that is there that has been trained to, to the specification of the employer is right for the taking. And there is that constant talent pool there that they're able to access, which wow. is really interesting. <laughs> A lot to take in, I yeah. know, but um, so, it's, it's, so it's really interesting. There's kind of people that you, the students that kind of you guys work yeah. with, um, they aren't necessarily the kind of people that maybe did well at school. For sure. For sure. Do you tend to find that when you're introducing them to some of these big clients and working with things like HSD, that some of them have to deal with issues like imposter syndrome? Yeah, so I think, in fact, I think quite the opposite sometimes. I think that imposter syndrome is something that we develop through the education system and something that we develop once we actually step foot in work. But if you remember when you were back to 16 years old, nothing, nothing really scared you. Mm. And... It's that kind of mindset that we absolutely love is because we're not, 
We're not limited to what we think. When we step into the world of work, whether that be after uni or at 18 years old, what we tend to, the, the way we tend to think is what our organization limits us to because yeah. of the practice that is used within it. However, if you break that cycle and you actually give the skills that are taught maybe within an organization years before, then there is no limit in regards to the way that they think about things and then the way that they actually approach problems. Because once you step into any organization, there are the, there is method. You're not given creative license to do what you want. So if you're given those tools beforehand, then that imposter syndrome that you talked about, it's not necessarily there. Now, obviously there are the issues of the confidence maybe to actually be in that room in the first place, but it's not necessarily the case of that they shouldn't be there. Yeah. It's the case of, okay, I'm scared to talk to this person, actually more practically speaking. Um, but what we actually, the, the cases that we see coming out of it are absolutely phenomenal. Now, um, there we, we finished uh, our latest um, cohort with HS2, for example, a few weeks ago. And there's, I'm not sure if, if, if you've seen, for example, a few years ago, I think it was um, Educating, Educating Yorkshire. Did you ever watch yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> and there was that lad that um, couldn't speak. He had such a bad stutter. And now he's actually a, um, a, a public speaker. That's yeah. his professional job. Now, there are cases, I know that's a very extreme case, but there are in, in cases like that where we've had um, uh, young 16-year-old girls who would not speak in front of the class and two weeks ago they are then presenting in front of 50, 60 people. Not only anything but their idea that they've developed and the solution that they've come up with through design thinking and through these collaborative efforts that they've missed within the classroom. Um, so they're, they're, sort of, they're, they're really fantastic cases where even if it's not necessarily... Um, going to do a company is going to see the impact we have students that say that they this the program has changed their lives in a lot of instances which from my perspective is what it is all about and that's why i, I do love what i do yeah oh sure. that's incredible yeah so um you mentioned a little bit about mentoring mm -hmm. so do you, a mentoring scheme is that something that you that you guys offer yeah so um back in August, September, when um, I was first given the opportunity to become center manager for digital innovators, I always saw that mentoring was certainly when I was growing up was something that I massively missed. I didn't have the opportunity to take. And it was also something that was exclusive. And this is what we need to do with the education system is the reason why, without getting too political, the reason why you have such divide is because things are not inclusive for everyone. Yeah. And that is the same with the education system. You see mentor practices, but you see it within universities, and not even all universities, you see it within Russell Group universities, which are then another cut of it, and you don't see it within colleges, you only see it within sixth forms, these other opportunities. And mentoring is a really fantastic way in order to break these barriers down. And I think more so, especially if you're able to identify mentors who have been through the same um, process or the same journey as a young person, then they are able to see someone that is alike to them. And I think that's the difficulty with a lot of young people is because you're seeing this fragmentation within society and you're seeing this um, distancing within groups is that what is happening in a lot of circumstances is that young people aren't able to see anyone that fits them mm -hmm. and that, that they see someone that is alike. 
And by having something like mentoring, it does allow for this development that they're not alone. Um, and I feel like within a lot of situations like social media, that young people, 16 to 18 year olds, it is their life. Yeah. It, is, it is their life through and through. And they're not able to see the success stories of 30, 40, 50 year olds who were that 16 year old kid in Alum Rock who had no opportunities, who came from a strict background, who didn't have any GCSEs. But those people exist. Mm. It's about being able to get them and put them in front of them, which are those massive factors. And it's giving those disadvantaged kids that opportunity because they've got so much to give. Yeah. And I would argue more to give because they have that edge. They have that thing that is different. And once you're able to um, take someone with an edge and put them onto the right path, that is a freight train that is not stopping because yeah. they are the people that make it to the top. And that's that. Yeah, that is what it's all about. With especially within the mentoring program, so we have mentors. Um, we currently have twenty mentors uh, for um, the one hundred and fifty students that we see per week. Um, who um, they're everything from entrepreneurs themselves to um, behavioural coaches. Um, wide range. There is no there is no limit to who you are, where you are from what you look like, what your job is in order to be a mentor. As long as if your heart is in the right place, then that is that is all we ask for. That's amazing. Um, so, yeah, if there is anyone that wishes to, to, to become a mentor and work with these young people and actually see the impact that this program has, then please, yeah, please do get in touch. Yeah. I mean, as you know, we we launched the Future Faces yeah. launched their mentoring scheme um, in October. Um and I think, you know, we're looking for opportunities for those who have been mentored, the mentees, sure. actually, once they finish that that um, that, men, that mentoring programme, yeah. do they want to give a little bit back? Um, so actually, uh, yeah, that, yeah, there might be an opportunity there. No, definitely. <laughs> and it was, it was really great to see because I know that I came to the launch of the, yeah. the mentor programme in November. Yeah. Back in November. And it was it was fantastic to see. Um, I'm really intrigued to, to see how those um, kind of, relationships are now developing because we saw it right at the beginning um so to see how they are in in a few months time would be really fantastic i know that when you when you came and did the, the you kind of did a bit of a icebreaker for yeah. us for the launch um <laughs> you came up with a fantastic game of matching um famous mentors and yeah. mentees i mean is that something that you you kind of looked at for your program that you launched in september or <laughs> yeah yeah so i didn't quite take on um the role of matching up um i'm trying to think of some of the, the other ones uh, there was now. the obamas there was the obamas <laughs> yeah uh there was also um lord of the rings lord of the rings so we had and we also had star wars as well like yeah. luke and, and yoda and stuff like that it's really fantastic so people <clears throat> actually approaching what a mentor partnership is mm -hmm. is really crucial because from a from a mentee's perspective if you go into that relationship uh, sorry from a mentor's perspective if you go into that saying okay i'm just here for this person to show them what to do and to develop them it's not that relationship isn't two-way mm -hmm. you should always be going into there looking for something as well the reason for that being is that you're more likely to then put more into it and reflect yourself. Yeah. And when we're talking about lifelong learning, it's really important to be able to have those 
conversations about, okay, well, how can I also develop myself and reflect? Because if you're not able to reflect when you're having a conversation with someone, you're, you're dictating them. Mm -hmm. You're telling them what they should be. And when we're mentoring, when we, we need to look internally about, okay, well, actually, am I practicing this as well? Because even I, I put my hand up and say it all the time. There are things that I will say during this podcast that I'm like, wow, I should really do that myself. <laughs> and actually, we need to start implementing things in our own lives, which is really important. So that relationship when you're talking about the, the mentor and mentee, it is a it's it's a two way relationship, not not something that should be dictated by any means. Yeah. Which is why we then talked about, for example, Luke and Yoda yes. and all these other strange relationships that, that people need to take out what they want to get out of it, and it needs to be open from the start. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the um, I think the Obama surprised people because I think you For assume sure. that it was Barack Obama that yeah. mentored Michelle, but actually yeah. it was the other way around. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that that kind of demonstrates about our perceptions of that relationship as yeah. well, and also thinking about it's, it's, it's something else that people don't really realize is that just because someone's older than you doesn't mean they're your mentor. Yeah, is that people can be younger than yourself and learn something from you. People can be. Um, junior to you in an organization and you can learn things from them and that's really important is that this hierarchy that we've kind of set up in our heads it we, we need to dismantle it because once you stick to that kind of linear approach you're not going to have the fruitful discussions that mentorship is really about yeah I mean since we've launched the mentoring scheme I've um, bumped into a few of the mentors yeah. who have come up to me and gone, this is fantastic, <laughs> I've learned so much. And actually it's a yeah. lot about the reverse mentoring that people don't necessarily yeah. realise. Yeah, for sure. And like you say, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a two-way two thing. Mm -hmm. So we hear a lot about skills shortages and the struggle to finding the right talent. How do digital innovators view that situation? Cool, yeah. Um, so in regards to the skills shortage... That's not a new thing as per, per se. It's been talked about for, it seems like every other year is that this discussion is had. What we're actually seeing more of now is the discussions around some specific ones, e.g. coding, um, software engineers, etc. But what the request is year after year is that we're actually missing young people and new recruits that actually have the correct soft skills. Um, on average, new apprentices into companies actually spend six months, their first six months, being retrained and learning new skills from the employer rather than going straight into the job. Now, I think that this is a two-way relationship. From the employer's side, I don't think that the skills that they are demanding is explicitly stated. From the education side, I think that it needs to catch up massively um, because what we're actually seeing now is learners more than ever needing kinesthetic learning so n needing to do things hands-on and the classroom simply isn't built like that at the moment um, it's built in a very Victorian manner in which here's a presentation here's some slides look at it and listen to me Once, and then we're going to test you on and it. then we're going <laughs> to test you on it exactly now the way that young people actually engage more more so than ever is through that kinesthetic learning. Now, once you address that, then that's how you are able to engage young people into the conversation. Now, if you go and talk to a 14-year-old about coding, 
because that's that is the front page news like it seems across all businesses we need coders we need software engineers etc yeah. if you go and speak to a 13 14 year old about software about coding the rest of it if they're not into it they're going to switch off mm-hmm. they are going to switch off automatically and they're going to think no not my cup of tea and the reason for that is because they can't envisage it. They can't see it. What they see is someone sat in a box room, dark in the middle of the night that they see on the TV that's a quote-unquote hacker or coder that looks a bit of a nerd that is that stereotypical yeah. type. And those need to, that, that, that stereotype needs to be broken down. And the only way to do that isn't by standing in front of a room and lecturing. It's by getting them to do it. Yeah. And also, I think that's probably where mentoring comes right. in as well. Seeing somebody who's physically doing it. Right, yeah. You know, do they, do they look a bit more like me? Can, yeah. I, can I relate to that person? Spot on. And, and once you can actually see those relationships, then that's, that's how it really does, it does develop. I think more so about being able to give young people that opportunity yeah. to see what that world is like. Now, I remember doing work experience in year 10 and a bit in college as well and wow what a waste of time <laughs> what a complete waste of time and I think so many people would agree with that is that you end up going to a company where you put in the corner you're asked to make a cup of tea you file some file some um, pieces of paper make some copies and that's that's about it in the grand scheme of things they're not given that creative license and they're not given that true insight into what something is now when we're talking about the skills shortage and that gap as such is that we need to give young people that real opportunity. And I know that it's burdensome. I know that it's burdensome on a lot of companies to do that, to be able to say, okay, well, I'm going to go and spend two weeks with Timmy. Timmy's going to come in and I'm going to get him to develop this this software for me. What company in their right mind is going to put down what they have, which is a priority to do that? Mm -hmm. Because it's too much. It is really too much. And I think that when we're, this is where digital innovators do come in, is that we have these conversations with the employer. What skills do you actually need? But more so, what are you missing within your company? That conversation is had um, with the side note of what challenges are you facing? What business challenges are you facing? We then bring the students in. We develop them in all their soft skills. And then the challenge is then given to them about what the employers face. So that could be anything from... Um, talking about biodiversity, talking about marketing issues, talking about um, how to engage young people within their business. And the young people go on to develop that solution for that business or for that organization. And when we're talking about that skills shortage, that's when you can start to join the lines. That's when, uh, join the dots, sorry. And that's really important when you're talking about this process is that element of the skills shortage it's how you truly engage with it as such rather than it being this is what we want where is it which it seems a lot of the conversation at the moment yeah and not that proactiveness yeah. in regards to it well our theme for the month um is lifelong learning um and that isn't just about um people right at the beginning of their careers um mm-hmm. there are also young professionals out there who perhaps feel they have um, sort of stalled or maybe um, they've made progress but um, sort of not necessarily in the career path they expected 
Um, is that a trend that you're noticing? Sort of what advice would you give to a young professional who might feel that way? They've sort of, you know, done lots of studying and they've mm-hmm. gone down one route and then there's yeah. sort of this, oh, actually. <laughs> so I think I was in that situation. I've been in that situation many a times over the past <laughs> few years, to be honest. Um, and I think the first part is actually sitting down and thinking about and understanding truly why that thought process is happening. Yeah. Because realistically what's happening is when we're talking about something, you, you feel like you're stagnating. You feel like you're not developing and you there's that fear mm. that, wow, I'm in my 20s, I'm in my 30s, what, what am I actually doing? And it's actually being able to sit down and think, okay, well, what is actually important to me right now? Is it having a family? Is it developing my business? Is it, you know what, I'm in my late 20s, early 30s, I'm going to continue to have a great time, you know? Because sometimes that is what it's about. And it's... It's not... I know this is all, all easy, me saying it. It's sitting down and thinking, okay, this is me... These are, this is everyone else. What is truly important to me at this stage? If you sit down and you think, okay, well, hang on, I'm stagnating because I'm not doing what I truly love, then that's when the issue is because that's when you can actually turn and you can, and you can see what else is out there. Um, but if you're purely stagnating because you see others doing things, and I do this all the time, but actually I don't care about, like yeah. I see people who are, I don't know, they've gone to live in Ibiza and they're having a fantastic time. And you know, like, no, I, I couldn't care less for that. Like, for some reason, I'm jealous. Yeah. But why Why do I actually care about that? Yeah. Um, and once those priorities are set for yourself, then you can start looking in these other directions. When we're talking about lifelong learning is that you ha- once we set out those priorities to ourselves and that's where we can take the next step, the issue with the next step is people don't know where to go. Mm. And I think that's really crucial is because you think, okay, well, <clears throat> seems like I've got all this in order. And my priority right now is that I want to get to senior executive in 18 months time from my current position. And that may, may, may feel like I'm not stagnating because I've set myself this goal. It sometimes feels like we don't then have the tools or even the, the slightest bit of knowledge of how to take that next step and I think the really important part is those conversations and it is going to come back to it is that mentoring process and it doesn't need to be a formal mentorship it doesn't need to be something that's within a program or within an organization it can be anyone that you see that you can have a decent rapport with Mm. and having those conversations about okay well based on your experience how can I take this to the next step um and when it comes down to, at the end of the day, that approach to lifelong learning is that <clears throat> it's going to come all the way back to it is that we're not taught it. We're yeah. not taught how to life. We're taught that the edu- our education is from zero to 18 years old. Mm. You can do a bit afterwards if you want to, but that's it. We're not actually demonstrated or, sorry, shown the skills of what that actually means. Yeah. Now, there are some easy steps that can be taken in regards to when we're talking about how to be an individual that that, that engages with lifelong learning. I think first and foremost is the um, 
<clears throat> continuing accessing things that you've, ways that you've learned from previously. Now, for me, just an example, um, I learn a lot by doing things. I'm a kinesthetic learner. I don't, I, that's why when I went to uni, it was not for me. Um, I had a great time, but no, no <laughs> sitting in a library, I can't do it, is, is actively doing things. So when I'm talking about, okay, um, for example, learning how to use 3D rendering, coming back to that and saying, okay, well, this is how I've learned previously. I'm going to try and embed that properly within what I'm going to do in the future. So I think that's the first part is coming back to your roots and seeing what has worked in the past and seeing how you can then implement that. Because there's no point at the end of the day like I see, <laughs> I get book recommendations thrown at me left, right and center in regards to um, personal development, um, growth mindset, etc. I hate reading. <laughs> I absolutely hate reading. I do enough of it at work. And frankly, I don't do enough things that I feel are engaging. And we get, I then get told to read this book by an individual and then I then feel rubbish because I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. And you shouldn't hold yourselves to account of other people's preferences. Yeah. I think that's a really key part, is looking at what works for you, and then integrating it yourself. So some more. So I think that's the first step is is seeing what works. I think in addition to that, is looking at the people around you. Now you always embed yourself, or hopefully people do embed yourself with people that are alike, that may learn in the same way, that have the same mindset as you. So have the conversations with those individuals about how they've got along those lines. Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> lifelong learning is a framework. What you learn within it is completely up to you. Yeah. Because as long as if you've got that framework of, okay, well, these are the steps in order to get there, then you can develop in it, which it's, it's then unique to you, yeah. but the framework is still the same. So looking at other individuals around you of how they've gone about that. And then I think finally is <clears throat> people are worried about sometimes, and it's, 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 it's a, maybe a generational thing as well, is putting out there what they need help with mm. and what they need support with. And even from a male perspective, that is something that men really struggle with. It's putting your hand up and saying, you know what? I don't understand this. I don't get this. I do need support with it. And being able to be brutally honest with those people around you, um, and not even around you, just yourself, yeah. to be honest. Because um, <clears throat> the way that I, 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 again, I'm going to say something that I really should be doing more of. <laughs> I did start, and then it's just something you fall out of habit is, it's writing down your thoughts and writing down what you see as important to you as often as you can. Yeah. Because... <laughs> I do this again, and I'm sure many people do, is especially maybe on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, when you've been out for a few beers before the night before, and you have that fear, you're like, wow, I do not have my life in order, and you have that anxiety <laughs> lingering over you. Yeah. Now, you need to check in with yourself and see if that is true throughout your time, mm. because when we're talking about like that fear of stagnation or that general fear of stuff, <clears throat> you do get intrusive thoughts, you do get anxieties, you do get all these other aspects that, imp imp um, that impact upon yourself. Now, 
how do you differentiate something that you truly feel and something that is an intrusive thought or something anxiety or something that's because of you drinking too much on mm. a Friday night at the physician or, or <laughs> across the road, right? Um, and it's by repeatedly actually stating it to yourself as something that is true. But also, I suppose, if you've got a mentor, it's checking in with them right. as well. Exactly. So if you do have a mentor and you say, okay, every, every three weeks you have a, a one-to-one or something like that or a coffee or whatever, or whatever form it takes... From a mentor's perspective, it is saying, okay, well, why are they saying that something is a different goal now than three weeks ago? Yeah. Are you sure that this isn't because something has gone wrong? Yeah. And I think that we're certainly, young people and within Future Faces, et cetera, <clears throat> it's really important to be grounded mm-hmm. and not jump to things too quickly because you end up doing too many things at once, your brain gets skewed, and you feel like you're rushing and you're not making any steps because you're not actually, you're trying to go left, right, and center when actually you should just be going going to your center, yeah. you know? And by checking in yourself, in with yourself on regular occurrences and checking in on those goals and seeing if they're actually true to yourself, then that's where you might feel that you're not stagnating as yeah. much. Um, so when we talk about mentoring and when we're talking about lifelong learning or stagnation within how you may feel, it's just those checkups and checking in with, not with just yourself, but with other people around you. And I think that that's something that a lot of people can certainly do. Is again, a cheesy little quote, be the change that you want to see. So if you know that an individual around you is, if, if you sorry, if you know, for ex- example, you would really like an individual to check in in regards to the goals that you're wanting to set or how they're getting on or do they feel like they're stagnating, start that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's Yes, it is daunting. Yes, you might get a few weird looks. But once that first conversation is done, then you are going to be doing it time and time again. Now, that is exactly, and I'm sure it's the same within the mental program within um, Future Faces and the same within the Digital Innovators program, is that the first mentor session, it feels weird because what opportunity you've been given to have this conversation before? Yeah. Never. So once you actually do that first, then it'll, it'll slowly start to become natural. So check in with your mates, and I don't need, you necessarily need to be giving a counselling session to them. It can be a professional check-in. Yeah. And someone that you see close to yourself and seeing how they're developing and if there's anything you can do and likewise vice versa. Yeah. Thanks, Harry. I guess as well, it's, I suppose it, it depends very much on how you measure success. For sure. You know, we've, we've talked a little bit about, you know, if you, if you feel like you're not going down the right path or you're not going down the right place, actually mm. what, what would look right to you and actually, I suppose, what does success mean to you? Success doesn't necessarily mean being the CEO yeah. or being being the owner of a business, but success to you might might be marriage, one child, yeah, a dog, 100%. and a, a house, or it could be you know running running a business or whatever. It, yeah. it, it's very personal. So isn't we it? do some um, re- so throughout the process within um, within the program that we've developed is that there's a really um, people may have heard the term of like self visualization, etc. Um, and they might think that it's quite a, um, a left field way of thinking. <laughs> yeah. And once you actually start to see something within yourself, then you are more likely 
to make it come true. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about um, uh, com uh, confirmations, affirmations, sorry, affirmations, etc., where you're manifesting something that's going to come true. Like, <clears throat> I'm a cynic in that respect in yeah. terms of affirmations <laughs> and stuff like that, but I think there's a massive difference between affirmations and self-visualization. Self-visualization, what we do with the students, and I do highly recommend people do this, is that envisage yourself in five, ten years, whatever kind of placemark you want to put on there, and don't think about it within a professional sense. Think about it in terms of, okay, you wake up. Who's around you? Where are you? Do you wake up next to anyone? Who is it? You look out the window, where are you? Okay, are you, are you on Hagley Road or are you in the Bahamas? <laughs> you know, starting to build up this actual picture of what your life looks like, not just your professional career. And I think that's the big difference is because people get so caught up in, oh, what's my title going to be next year? Yeah. What's my pay going to be next year? What company are going to be working at? And actually forget that the entire reason why we do those things is that we can have, happiness in the rest of our life. Yes, absolutely. And if you then neglect what your happiness in the rest of your life looks like, then that's when the real issue is going to be. Yeah. Um, so, because if, yes, you could be the CEO of X company earning six figures plus, etc. However, if your dream morning isn't being fulfilled, then you're, you're still going to feel like you're going to be stagnating yeah. when you're the CEO and there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. So you re do really need to do it in reverse order and thinking about, okay, first simple step, self-visualization of how your morning looks. Who are you with? Where are you? Are what you having, having for breakfast? What are you having for <laughs> breakfast? Am I, am I sat on the Champs-Élysées having my cappuccino <laughs> dunking in my croissant? Or am I being forced to take the dreaded 50 down through Kings Heath and Moseley into the city centre in 15 years' time? Mm. And by actually building your pitch up in that sense, then that's when it really develops your 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 next steps yeah. and what you really do want to do. Because there's no point in saying, oh, I want, to, I want to take part in lifelong learning to ensure that I do this, when mm -hmm. actually doing that is only going to keep you in the same position as you were before. And I think that's the really important part is reversing that. What's your life around, around you? How does your profession, your career enable you to do that? That's your, your next steps. Harry, there have been some really um, useful tips there. Um, really brilliant things for people to sort of um, think about. Um, so, yeah, people are probably ready now for their next uh, lifelong learning experience. <laughs> um, so, yeah, ha again, thank you so much for, for joining us. No problem. Um, thank you for listening to the Future Faces podcast. You can find more episodes on all major listening platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcast, And don't forget, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, we're on LinkedIn, at FF Chamber. Thank you. <laughs>